the GovCon Secrets Podcast will take a deep dive into the government contracting space where you'll hear from a variety of expert guests on strategy, pricing, benefits, business tactics, and all this to save you a ton of money, time, energy, and effort. I'm your host, Jim Campbell, former Marine and CEO of Axum Fringe Solutions Group. My goal is to redefine the benefits world with a brutally honest view of how benefits, compliance, finance, and overall contracting strategy mixed with my years of experience and expertise can benefit you to deploy strategies to help your GovCon grow and win in the future, all the while without boring you to death. We're going to have fun. Let's start the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another podcast of GovCon Secrets. Here with me, Jim Campbell, and our special guest today, Heather Teed. I've known Heather for quite some time, and she works in the pricing and strategy world, but often helps people with a lot more than that. Uh, we're going to get in it to today. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about where the market was, where it's at, small, mid-sized businesses, large businesses, prime subs. Uh, it stands to be a good conversation, and uh, Heather's a wealth of information. She's been doing it a long time, and she's one of the best, so really looking forward to it. And Heather, thank you for joining us. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, just like our meeting last week, it's, <laughs> it's going to be nice, light, and uh, we cut through all the bullshit, so uh, you can could, you could speak freely, right? Although we don't want to upset any potential customers. <laughs> But uh, that being said, you know, the industry seems like it goes to these waves. You and I talked about a little bit last week where, you know, the small, mid-sized businesses have it one second and then it's, uh, it's really belongs to the primes and the big guys. Why don't you talk about your background, your history, your company, how you started and, and kind of where you saw the market then versus where you see it now? Yeah, my history is I've been working in government contracting since well, for the last 30 years, <laughs> for the last, yeah. So I started off with some small businesses that were mainly in, I would say, occupational health and epidemiology for my first several years in the marketplace, um, doing a lot of different kinds of proposals, different kinds of work. And then um, I moved on to one of the large government contractors for 14 years and there I did a lot of IT strategy work, worked a lot with the GSA schedules and GWACs, um, worked in pricing, worked in both commercial pricing, government pricing, quasi-government pricing, all kinds of things. <laughs> um, and from there, um, when that company went public, I decided that um, working for a public company was really not for me. I like the, I don't know, I like the passionate business owner that is interested in helping the government or their clients move forward and still cares about their people. And so that's the kind of business owner I wanted to work with. So I went out on my own. <laughs> so, and that was right. about 10 years ago, started off with a couple partners um, and we each had our different thing that we did, decided that, you know, we each were doing our own thing. So we sort of split that company up and um, ended up forming what is now EOP and did that from by myself for a couple years, realized that there was only so much work I could do by myself. So <laughs> added employees and um, from there we've grown to, to eight. So eight full-time employees and we do um, everything cost and price. Um, so helping government contractors mainly with their cost and price proposals, as well as um, large government contractors with 
their subcontractor package reviews, sealed package reviews. And we like doing that because we're really helping small businesses mainly understand what a really good cost and price proposal looks like. Because for most people, that that tends to be where we help um, business owners is they know their discipline, they know what they do, but they may have never been exposed or we're sort of kept out of that back room that we're often in <laughs> where all the cost and pricing happens and they need to understand and be able to explain to their buyers what their value is um, and know that they're pricing themselves and, you know, to that buyer. So they're not leaving money on the table. So, you know, that's where we come in to help them out. So where you started to where you're at now, if you look at the industry, what's the same and what has changed from your perspective as far as pricing and strategy? Because that dynamic, like I said, seems to hit a wave, right? And small businesses, one minute they're on it and they're doing well and it's no longer LPTA. It's, hey, technically proficient, but then the big guys come back in and they kind of <laughs> squeeze them down. So from from a decade ago, when you went out on your own till now, now. what's what's the same and what's the difference? Yeah, I think there was a lot of, well, there was a lot of LPTA coming in, like whenever I went out on my own. And I know that was that was challenging for a lot of our clients. So many of our clients would just forego that kind of work and just focus on the best value type work. Um, now we're seeing a lot of the you know highest technically acceptable type multi-phased procurements happening. We're seeing that trend coming through where uh, now when you're bidding, you're going to put in your technical and your management, your past performance, that's going to get rated. Maybe there's another phase where there's orals and then pricing goes in. And I think we're also seeing where pricing went in with the big GWACs and other like best in class contract vehicles. Now pricing's not going in. It's more of a scoring system and total compensation plan. So we've been helping folks with their compensation plans to make sure they have the, the structures laid out as far as like relative to pricing later, <laughs> that it makes right. sense, right? So before we would help them more with, okay, what does our rate card need to look like? Now it's, okay, we're going to figure that out later. I know we're all very interested to see with the best in class vehicles, not having price at the overarching vehicle level, what is that going to do? Um, mm-hmm. So we haven't, we haven't seen the, yeah, what, what's going to happen there. So I know we're, we're sort of standing by to see um, how we can help our clients once they win those vehicles and then have to put in place processes and procedures to respond to task orders. Um, that's probably one of our really sweet spots is um, mm-hmm. understanding how to put into place models and narratives from a cost and price perspective that enable you to respond quickly if you're on a contract vehicle. Yeah. yeah. So that gets me thinking because I had another question, but I'm going to get to my thought because it kind of scares me when you say that. Is that a disadvantage to the small guys? Because if they don't go in knowing their price, you have the large primes. They seem to have unlimited budgets as far as their proposal shops. We know yeah. they don't and they do good stuff and we understand. But they could be on a cost plus. And when they go down to look at their subs, across those task orders, yeah, you were in the license to hunt, but now you're on the game preserve. And it costs a lot of money to come into our game preserve. And hey, you're TNM. You're not getting cost plus. Or you, we want you on an FFP and you're not getting what we get. Do you see that that might squeeze the small 
maybe small disadvantaged or smaller subcontractors that I could negatively impact them? Or do you think it'll open up a more fair and open model? Yeah, I, I don't really know at this point because it, it's hard to say. I If the market, if it's really truly at the task order level, what the market will bear, I think that's, I think that's going to cause a lot of people some churn and an increase in number of task orders they have to bid just to figure out what the market is actually bearing, right? And so it's fair. you're going to have to do a really good job on everything you bid under one of those vehicles at asking for debriefs and finding out who won, what was the price, right? And then keeping a database of that and understanding where your competitors are bidding for that type of work that you're interested in so that you can then figure out how to, you know, how best to bid in the marketplace. Like, I think you're going to have to be much more diligent because now you don't have an existing rate card to go look at to see what they're selling for, right? right? It's exactly what I was getting to. Yeah, you have nothing. So I I think it's going to cause more BNP spend because you're going to want to bid to know who won and yeah. That, and I go back to the prime sit there and they 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 have a multi-million dollar, but let's just say the large guys could spend millions upon millions of dollars. When they go down to that sub-level, and I don't mean the yeah. people right below them, I mean the small, mid-sized business, they don't have those budgets. No. So the more that they have to bid or they have to throw into BMP, what else suffers in their lineup, right? Well, is yeah. is it going to be compensation? Is it what what's it going to be? Well, but then I think we're swinging back to good capture, right? Because good point. <laughs> At that point, if you know that you're going to have to bid on a lot of things, you should really be honing in on those things that you have actually done the work to capture. So I think you're going to have to have a really good staff that is doing the work for capture, actually That's awesome. talking, right? So I think that I think that pendulum is also swinging back. For a while, we saw the government sort of clamp down, not talk to us. And now I feel like it's opening back up. So it's all sort of, that's all sort of happening at the right time. So I feel like capture as a discipline is going to have to be much stronger than it's been over probably the last five years or so, right? So the people who have those skills and the right people on their team that know how to execute a capture, you know, and actually go talk to everyone they need to talk to. You can't just go in a database, right? If you find out about something the day it drops, you're too late, right? That's right. You're dead. So you should be pre-selling a lot of this stuff. Um, So looking at what the government bought before on these vehicles or even bringing the work yourself from your existing client to the vehicle, I think is going to be important. So all those skills that, man, I would say we were using 15 years ago are coming back. <laughs> it's funny that you, I was just about to say, you just got a pay raise for everybody in capture that's been begging for the last decade for a pay raise. Like you just did everybody a favor. Yeah. But that goes back to your, to your time, right? Because anybody that's done this, and we've got a lot of the same cohorts in this business, yep. that wave, right? It, what was old is new again and so on and so forth. Or the old saying, like, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Right. What we try to do is do the best job of providing clarity and transparency to those partners. You like working in the small business, small, medium-sized business, so do we. And providing that clarity, especially in a down market and where inflation is really hitting people, 
They might not have bid their current awards properly and they're not making the margins they might have made seven, eight, nine years ago with that rate card. That becomes ever more important, right? Mm -hmm. We really have to do a really good job on our end to make sure we're giving them the best advice. So when they have a go, no go strategy at Capture, that go strategy is we can do this. We can win it. We can be competitive. We're going to call Heather. We're going to call EOP. We're going to get uh, this built right. Mm -hmm. But then do you find that that comes like formulaic at some point? Like they say, well, wait, we, we can wash and repeat for that agency or that prime, or we can go after new awards. And, you know, they, that's something they can just kind of put in the washing machine and spin back out. Um, in some cases, yeah. I mean, and, and, and that's sort of our intent is we, we do want to leave like our clients with, here's how you can do it. Like you should start doing these pieces yourself. And then when you're ready for the next hard thing, come back to us. When you're ready for the next harder thing, come back to us. So we don't want to be necessarily doing everything for them all the time. We do want to teach them to fish, right? And, and go yep. do that or use some of the tools and techniques and then the narratives we leave them with the other um, artifacts we leave them with those are theirs to use again and get better right at, at honing their own skills till they hit another bump there's a cost to doing that though yeah. <laughs> yeah. there's a cost for that and, and you know something you said made me think too like when you were talking about sort of like the pressure of inflation and other things like that i mean now's a good time for all business owners, especially as we're hitting the end of the year to look at next year and their budgets and say, okay, what's in my budget? What, where do I need to cut something? Where do I need to become more efficient? And then I'm going to say they need to call you <laughs> to say, how can I put together a better benefits package, right? That's going to be maybe more cost effective for me as a business owner, but still robust enough to attract and retain my talent. Right. So relooking yep. at some of those things, I mean, I would highly encourage people to do that now, because if you're in a position where you're struggling on a contract, yeah, you definitely need to look at what makes up all of your indirect rates and your, and your costs and, and fringe is a huge part of that. Massive. I mean, and we know by industry where that rates, right? Somebody's could, you know, some blue gray collar work could be in the thirties, mid thirties, but some of the IT, especially in the IC space, you're talking 40, 45%. And they're not making the same fee right. that they were a while ago. Um, you know, we talk to people in the industry every day. You do, I do. We kind of all kind of get together and have these conversations. But when the client speaks, when we get a phone call saying, hey, we really need to look at XYZ. Yeah. And then we get statistics that come out that show 54% of our client base changed broker of record last year. Right. And okay, what was the net result? And what are you going to do this year? Well, we hear from industry folks at the big four consulting houses, that change in broker of record is growing. Yeah. And then there's market consolidation from private equity everywhere. And it just seems like every market is shifting so fast, but government contracting stays pretty stable. And what we, what I'm worried about though, is like DOD said they're limiting their budget next year. You get... Navy coming out and saying they're taking five large contracts and breaking them up for more small business participation and these types of things. Sounds great, mm -hmm. but who has the money to go out and have capture <laughs> and have BNP to go and win those properly and then make money and self-sustain going forward? Deliver on your job that you know and do very well, but you got to get there first. 
And so many people forget about you, me, and then they bring us back in when it's like a crisis right, mode. Right, right, yeah. And like, and that's that's not where we want to live as as business owners, you know, as as human beings. I don't want to be put in your crisis and have to charge you more. Right. I want to do the right job for you originally at a really good price, and then have you, like you said, teach you to fish, and then you grow. Come back when you grow, yeah, and we'll help you again. Right. And if you're not, if you're not winning, come back too, because then there's a diagnostic we can do to figure out what's that root cause. So you can course correct because we've had, we've had several of our clients come back to us and say they haven't won anything in the past few years. And we're like, Oh my gosh, you should have come back sooner. Right. Because <laughs> now that's several years. That's, that's a long time. Um, a long time. And their other awards are expiring or they've lost already. And now the budget's different, right? And like the the cost structure is when you are much bigger and you might have retracted a little bit and that's not where you want to be. Yeah. And then I think if you're in the boat where you have a singular contract that's the majority of your business, more than 50% of your business, you really need to look to diversify, right? And have 100%. other contracts. And yeah, I can't tell you how many times we hear from clients that if they don't win this contract, like they're shutting up shop, right? They're going away. Yeah. Yeah. And and that just goes back again, market forces, the economy and kind of where things are going in your history, Mm -hmm. right? And and you've done this, you've seen a thousand matriculations of opportunities, but when you have a good capture partner or you have a good competitive analysis team, does that make your job easier to help them? You teach them to fish, right? Do they learn faster and they get to speed up better? Yeah. I, I think if you have that good information, um, it allows you to make better decisions and then also test different scenarios, test different solutions. At no cost, right? Yeah. Like at not increasing your cost basis. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I think that's that's a big part. Like you you need to do your homework um, on your opportunities and really know what's going on and have have collected if it's a recompete past data, if it's something new, you need to talk to somebody. You need to have shaped that opportunity so that the evaluation criteria work for you. Um, you understand like your team so that the subs you bring on aren't high price. Like so many folks, they'll look at their subs for capabilities they bring, but no one talks about price, right? So you should be talking about price early on to make sure they fit with you. And a lot of times your subs will tell you, hey, we're a boutique, we're really high priced and no one's listening. And then all of a sudden you do a data call and they come back in, they're really high priced. And they're like, we told you, we're, we're really high priced. <laughs> so see, see, none of our clients say that. None of the clients that are subs say that they make enough money or they're high priced <laughs> enough. They always come back and say, I'm getting squeezed and we're not making enough, right? Yeah. So it, you have that paradigm. But I, I, I talk to people, especially in the finance markets, right? And we talk about dollars and access to money and having the flow in order to go after, you know, the proper capture and BP at BMP using you using us. And what I constantly hear is that's dried up. Like the way that banks are working now and the way that the prime market is working, it's like, uh, no, we're not lending you the money to do that. And then you look at their resources, you look at their back end profitability, the margins weren't what they used to be. And that people are really squeezed. And when you talk to bankers, you talk to people in the finance aspect of this business, they have a concern that more people are saying, I have one contract that makes up 65% of our revenue. And I've got 12 months till it goes away. 
where it's being recompeted now. And I don't know where we stand. And those people, unfortunately, come to us too late, right? Yeah. Then, then the writing's on the wall. When is it from a, a, a very small, not almost startup level, but you know they've been doing it two, three years, they've got market expertise. When is it advantageous to reach out to somebody like Heather Teed? I mean, we will talk to folks that are just starting out even for like an hour, right? Just to say, okay, where are you? What are you trying to do? Where are you going? And then when when to come talk to us again, <laughs> like when you're, when you're ready. See, that's really rare though, because you know, everybody else does not do that. It's like, okay, you're going to pay us two grand for this conversation. Yeah. I think we'll give anybody an hour consult of, you know, our time and advice just on. Your time's worth over a decade of experience. <laughs> so trust me, that's well worth it. Like a lot of, I know I would pay you to help us with that kind of stuff for an hour. So. Yeah. But we do want to see business owners succeed. And so, yeah, we're always willing to chat with them or point them to resources that can help them when they can't afford our help. And then when they're ready and they, they get, yeah, some contracts under their belt, or if they're, they happen you know, to be very well-funded, then they can afford us right off break. But other folks, it takes a little while before they can. Yeah. Sure thing. Yep. You know, we, we were talking, I believe last week and when we sat down is, now there's this whole flood of data, right? There's yep. data analytics for everything and everybody's doing this. What I've said is there's a ton of data and nobody knows how to use it. Yep. Tell me about some of, the, some of the ways that you help people either use data or make it available to them to make smarter decisions or, or even in a price roll strategy. Yeah, so a lot of our smaller businesses don't know where to look for salary data or look for data that the government has on their sites around prices paid or even just comparative labor rates. Um, so we, we help folks like look, look at that data. And that's all free, right? Like that's free. free access. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Most, most people aren't aware that, you know, all the GSA schedule published rates, a lot of GWACs have published rates that you can go look at a lot of those. Well, all those position descriptions are there so you can see what the high end of the market is right for those kind of positions. Mm -hmm. And then the government's provided tools that let you see, you know, prices paid. And even some of the tools that they use to create their independent cost estimates are available for folks to use. So depending on, you know, what our clients need, we'll point them to those free resources that they can use. And we do a couple of training classes where we show people how to use a lot of those free resources uh, so that, you know, they can have more data to make better decisions. But yeah, it is it is hard if you don't know where to look. 100%. And it's like a sea, right? It's the yeah. ocean. So let's say somebody's a little bit larger than just a startup or they, you know, they can't afford you. They've been doing it for a while. They've got some market expertise. They come to and say, Heather, we have this opportunity we really want to go after. And we're going to be a sub to monster company, <laughs> monster contractor. Talk to me about a sample in engagement in that space. Like somebody says, Heather, we just really need to win this. How can you help us? Yeah, I mean, if they're a subcontractor to a large prime, then we'll help them respond to the the requests that come from the prime around cost and pricing. With specialized language, though, right? Specific language to that award or that prime. Yeah, yeah, and just make sure that they are at least putting back rates that don't leave money on the table, right? <laughs> that allow for some negotiation, and then. We make sure that if they have to do a sealed, you know, sealed package to the government, that that package is not going to cause that prime 
to lose. <laughs> we, That's right. we help them make sure that they've explained everything. They've included everything. Uh, we find a lot of folks just, first of all, don't read the RFP and then don't read the instructions from their prime. So we're reading those, we're making sure we're compliant and then we're making sure we're compelling. So we work all of that in there. And um, again, we're creating artifacts for that client of ours that they can use later. Because if we've described, if they have to do a full cost build and they have to describe their indirects, they have to describe their direct labor, we're showing them how to do that, you know, using industry best practices so that they can do that later if they want to do it on their own. That's huge. Yeah. So, you know, you go down the road of saying, okay, Heather, you helped us. We learned how to fish. We didn't leave money on the table and the prime chose us, yep. right? Well, now the work has to get done and <laughs> the, 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 the task orders come out, yep. right? And there's a whole nother set because then the prime might say, we want best and final, or we want you to look at X, Y, Z. Part of your program is not only do we help you make sure that you're okay, but you didn't hurt the prime. Now we have to go in and get strategic, yeah. right? And now it's tactical, actually. Not strategic, it's tactical. Some small businesses, medium-sized businesses say, hey, we're good here. This is our pricing. We're good. How often does that usually stick from the very first submission, the pricing? A lot of times it does, surprisingly. Does it really? Yeah. Um, okay. Every once in a while, we'll have something large where there might be some clarifying questions from the government that come back that... And that would change some of the pricing? Yeah, and that'll change some of the pricing. A lot of times the solicitation wasn't clear on something that the government was evaluating across all the bidders. And they're like, oh, oops, we need this. Or um, they might change something because too much time's elapsed. <laughs> and so yeah. there's another requirement yeah. that has come out. That shocks me. I, I I always thought they'd get squeezed. Like I, I've always mm -hmm. thought because what we hear, right, our benefits, you know, we, we got to look at this and it's, you know, we've got to change our pricing and our fringe is too high or whatever it is. Uh, I thought it was because they were getting squeezed and they had to change their rate structure. <laughs> but if you're telling me it, it holds more times than not, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, for us, it does. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just the things we work on with our clients. They tend to hold and our clients, yeah, tend not to have too many strange questions come back. I mean, sometimes some come back, but Maybe our clients aren't working with the right partner. Yeah, they need to call you. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe they need to be. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. a, a lot of times when we're working on stuff together, it's because it's like service contract act, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where people don't really understand what they're getting into. Well, even our IT clients, like our IT clients that for some reason think that they can get, they, they got a couple TS full scope people and now they can go into the IC, Right. That's not the case, right? Yeah. And yeah, you've got really highly qualified technical people. It does not mean you can automatically just jump into the intelligence community contracts and, and you're proficient, right? <laughs> uh, so the, my whole reason for asking that is, as we start to see this demand or request for small business participation, yeah. some inclusion, diversity, equity, and inclusion in contracting, do you think that you're going to have old clients even some recent clients come back to you and say, we need a refresh. We're going to look at yeah. different types of work and we're going to try to do this and try to do that. Yeah. We've already, we've already seen that start to happen. <laughs> so, okay. Hey, yeah. <laughs> it's like you set this up, but I wish I knew that because <laughs> I would have asked earlier. <laughs> yeah. We've seen yeah. some clients that we haven't talked to in a little while come back. I would say over the last year that's been happening more and more. Okay. Um, and then we've had some new clients come into the fold that they may have been operating for a long time 
themselves and then they're just looking for some new fresh ways of doing things see and that that's now it's starting to click because i again i talk to a lot of people especially through this podcast friends coworkers, cohorts whomever competitors and people are all now starting to say the same thing regardless of where they work within the industry and that is starting to lead to now it's a trend right like because we have clients that have called us and said hey can we take this build up and go and do it for this agency and i'm like different type of contracting just because you used a fringe model over here let's say for sca doesn't mean you can go apply it to a tsa contract over here it's it's kind of the same language, yeah. different rate buildup, right? And different requirement, different wage terminations. So that's when I say we have to reach out to Heather because yeah. I'm not going to walk you into a problem, <laughs> but you sure as hell don't know what you're doing if you're using your old rate cards or your old rate structure. Well, yeah. And, and you're walking into different sets of competitors, right? With different structures on how they set up their business. So Every single business, to me, there are indirect rates to tell their story, right? So their fringe tells their story of how they retain and attract people, right? And so you can go through and describe that and describe that value. Your overhead is going to tell how efficiently you operate those business units. And then your GNA is going to tell you how efficiently you operate your company overall. And so depending on what market you're going into... You may be going up against competitors that are completely remote, right? They're skilled at being remote. They have mm-hmm. very low wrap rates. In other markets, you're going into areas where that end buyer is attached to the people, right? That staff their work and they don't want mm-hmm. them going anywhere. They're willing to pay prime dollars. And so you have a much more rich benefits package. You have like a completely different kind of structure. And so- yeah, before you enter any kind of new market, you really do want to take a look at and do your research, not only, I guess, from the market perspective and the dollars that are available, but who are you going up against? What do those price points look like? You know, how do the, how does that agency buy or organization buy? And what do they value, right? What kinds of things do they value? What kind of competitions are you going to be up against? Because if, like you said, if you're structured one way over here, that may not at all work in this new market that you're trying to get into. And do you find that like your relationships and the history across the industry is still as relative as it was, let's say again, a decade ago, because what I found Mm -hmm. is we get all new contracting officers. We're getting all new people in the industry that have never done contracting before. Things are a mess. You know, DOLs using old reviews and old guidelines and contracting officers are cutting and pasting opportunities and it's not accurate where do those relationships lie and going back to, Hey, how does this customer buy? And, you know, how do you, you know, go about the competitive analysis if it's seemingly like the whole market's changed? <laughs> yeah. I guess for us, cause we're not really always direct to that end client, like the end government buyer. Um, mm-hmm. We do have other colleagues in the marketplace that we rely on that are former contracting officers or, you know, former government folks that um, we can ask questions or even like legal folks we can ask questions of. But a lot of times we're just really going through the solicitation and then finding those disconnects and making sure our clients are asking questions to clear them up because, yeah, we're noticing the same thing that there are a lot of, I guess, new people in the acquisition workforce. Um, We're seeing some 
strange things happening with procurements, had several clients have some of their proprietary data be leased, like shared, yeah, shared, yeah, or just some weird things that normally don't happen are happening. And I think I've seen a lot more pre-award protests than I've seen in the past, you know, and that's because some of the procurements just aren't written well or structured properly. Yep. Uh, and there's too much vagueness for some things that are fixed price that they're, you know, that you really can't respond. So um, I think we're seeing a lot of questioning, a lot more questions. And we've also seen like weird, I guess, time cycles to solicitations dropping. It, the pattern has hmm. changed. So lulls are happening in different spots than they normally do. <laughs> so, By agency or just in type of work? Just in general. Or? Just in general. Oh, okay. Like when I talk, There's just lulls throughout different yeah, parts different of the industry. Yeah, different time periods where there weren't lulls before. So it's it's sort of interesting to watch like that cycle shift. And a lot of times it does it does shift around different events. But yeah, we've seen a lot of things, I guess, at the end of this government fiscal year, Things sort of slowed down in October, but we've seen tons and tons of things like due in November, December. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Because usually it's the end of the fiscal year and it's just a mad rush. It's all the 8As and it's all the small disadvantaged businesses trying to get whatever they can and clean up, so to speak. Um, And then they have to start to go to work like now or whenever. But you're right. I typically don't see that lull like right now things being due. It's, it's, we have a lot it of happened things last due. fiscal year. Yeah. We have a lot of things wow. due right now. Um, sort of- so that's like rebadging, right? That's like winning an award and just rebadging or, or those types of contracts or just all new no, work. Or- I mean, some of them are recompete. Some of them are, some of them are new work. Oh, wow. But a lot of things we thought were going to come out last fiscal year sort of slipped <laughs> this way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So there was a weird, a weird blip around the end of the government fiscal year. I mean, I think everyone was like, you know, cleaning up and gathering their money and spending all their money, but the things that were supposed to drop just didn't necessarily drop. So, well, I, we're recording this on uh, November fourth, yeah. right? So, um, <laughs> we're 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 sitting here and we can speak to it because it's end of fiscal year, and I purposely wanted to have you on after that because I know it's a mad rush and I probably wouldn't get you till now anyway. <laughs> but like the other night was the GovCon Awards, right? Mm-hmm. And I've heard from no less than 20 people. We had two large primes win an award and both of the CE, COOs or CEOs that accepted were like, we're hiring. If you know people were hiring. And everybody took it as a joke from the first guy. And then the second guy comes up and says it. And then one of the mid-tier, fairly sized companies, their CEO said it. And people were like, okay, the third time we get it, man. Everybody's hiring. Mm-hmm. Is there just a, that much of a dearth in the job market right now that we can't get qualified people to do jobs? Um, I'm hearing that from a lot of our clients. And then we were just on a call yesterday where there's different disciplines where there are massive shortages of staff. That's not a good thing to hear. No, no, everyone's competing. With their job market where it's at, we need people working. We need the tax dollars. When everyone's competing for the same group of people. Yeah. So we're seeing that too, where different types of incentives for people to stay with you are becoming important. So it's not all compensation. It does depend on benefits and then bonuses, retention bonuses, performance bonuses. A mission accomplishment. Some people are driven a lot by the mission, especially in where we live, right? There's a lot of deep, dark stuff going on. So there's a lot of people devoted to the mission. 
NASA, yep. we've seen a massive amount of spending. People want to see us lead the space yep. race. And sometimes um, people want to be in those particular areas and working on those kinds of things. And you're right, it isn't about the, the monetary compensation. It's about the prestige of that mission or being involved in that mission that's more important to them. So I think you have to know when you're hiring that particular population that you're trying to hire from, what motivates them, then you have to reframe what you're offering. So I feel like that's where you can come in and help them. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I say it all the time, but again, five years ago, 10 years ago, the IT space was, I'll go down the street for an extra week of PTO because I know I can get it. Yeah. Or I know they're giving 7% to retirement versus your five, or I can get $5,000 more down the street. That is not the case anymore, though, because down the street is facing the same economic pressure that we're at right now. Now, I'm not saying it's an employer's market by any stretch of the means, but they don't have the same employees, don't have the same ability to create for themselves, especially here in the metro DC area, that they once did because everybody had to squeeze profit. Everybody had to, they had to get talent then. And now, like you said, that everybody's competing for this very small talent pool of people, but there's only so much the companies can do. And to that end, with inflation going up, they're not having the ability to borrow like they did five years ago. The rates are much higher. The cost of capital, you know, in the extended time periods of payback, the market's definitely shifted. Yeah. And do you take any of that stuff into pricing? Let's say it's a five-year award. Um, are you in? You know, as we both know, they're <laughs> they're getting minimal escalators each year. Are, are you taking any of these factors from today into their pricing strategy to plan for tomorrow? We're I mean, we're trying to make sure that our clients are working with the government upfront to shape the procurement so that that professional employee compensation plan is an important evaluation criteria um, and making sure that you have that plan with salary ranges that will support the contract and that those salary ranges are appropriate for the people you're trying to hire. So we're seeing that becoming more and more important because that, that compensation plan speaks to your understanding of the technical requirements. So we're seeing that shift happening, which is which is good. Well, because the old game used to be just like, let's get win and then ask for equitable adjustment, right? We're going to change the pricing scale. Yeah, I don't think you can really do that now. I think- No, there's no money. Yeah, I think you need to make sure that the buyer understands what's going on with the kinds of staff that you're trying to bring to bear. And if if it is highly competitive- making sure they have the data that shows that in the DC area, maybe because several other large commercial companies are here, we can't get those kinds of people. There are only so many available and they're at a premium and giving them, giving that government buyer the data to show these people don't exist. That's why our price is our price. And if someone's coming in with a lower price, you're not going to yeah. get the quality that you want. So I guess, and really understanding if, they do want the quality, right? So when you're reading the solicitation, if they don't want the quality, then don't you're not going to bid the quality. Yeah, you're, you're right. And that's where your expertise yeah. comes in, defining that need. And that, that's the kind of whole thing I was getting to is when you're looking at that solicitation, you're properly addressing the need being asked mm -hmm. for. And then you take back those questions of saying, is this what you meant? Because this is the cost. Yeah. Everybody else could come in 20% lower, but we're giving you what you asked for. So you're you're really arming your client with that question in mind, right? Well, with the question and then with the details and the basis of estimate, 
that they can then turn to the government and that basis of estimate forms their foundation, you know, of here's what we bid. So when we hand that over to the folks that are going to execute, okay, this is what we bid. Anything that deviates from that, that's a modification, right? And making sure they really pay attention because right now you, you can't afford to give things away for free. You know, you right. know what I mean? Like before, sometimes you'd be like, oh yeah, we'll just do that extra report. Yep. You probably can't. No, 100% <laughs> like no. Your profit. 100% no. Yeah. And those freebies, you know, quote unquote, if you're a sub, you absolutely have no room to give it back to your prime, right? right? And and the primes need to understand that. And and there's a cost of doing business. But I just feel like when LPTA, quote unquote, went away, it lingered and stayed. And a lot of people, especially in the IT space, brought their rates down just to win business. Well, that's all coming to roost now. And they're yeah. really pinched financially. And it's because I think they had a bad uh, strategy, bad bidding strategy, right? So when they're doing their cost models, it's it's very beneficial to have you in the corner and just say, uh, did you really think about this? Because <laughs> yeah. you're not going to be able to change your pricing, you know, in, in a year or two years or whatever it is. And just demanding an, a fist slap on the desk, your fist slam on the desk isn't going to get you your change of rates to make no. sure that you make money. Yeah. And I think now like understanding what your contract says, what you're on the hook for, right? What you have to deliver and then what's in scope, what's out of scope, that's critical right now. So making sure you're really paying attention. If you have an award like that where you're running lean, you, you really do need to make sure that whoever is your program manager or project manager understands the work so that you can, you know, go back to the client with modification if it's outside of the scope. And if you can do that, then perhaps you can get well on that modification, right? Yep, yep. But if you're not looking for those things, you're just going to keep feeling the pain. It's so true that that term, feeling the pain, I honestly, again, I've heard this from multiple people around town. And to your point, that pain becomes eventually, I, I can't do this business anymore. Like right. I, I, I can't compete on the next award to keep my company afloat. And that for people like us that we like working with those small people, give them a chance to win the Rocky story. Um, that sucks, right? It like does. you don't, you don't no. want to see that. No. So, you know, we're about up here. How do people reach you? How do people get in touch with you? Oh, they can come to our website at www.eopconsulting.com or reach out on LinkedIn and yeah, definitely we'll chat. <laughs> Con contact Axum and Jim's got Heather on a hot button. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, you know, so now we're coming up to 2023, you know, yep. we're going to leave with this. And I've asked this to a lot of guests, especially towards the end of the year as we're recording these, what do you look forward to in 2023? I think in 2023, like for our organization, I'm, I'm seeing a shift back. Like, so basis of estimates come through, in waves. I, I don't know why in procurements and we're getting back to that wave and we really love doing basis of estimates um, mm -hmm. and helping our clients really document, especially the really large like basis of estimate projects where they have thousands and thousands of pages, right? To make sure that they justify why their prices are priced. So we're seeing those come back around again. So I'm sort of excited for myself and my team because those are things we really like to help our clients work on and, and dig into. Um, and we're trying to leverage some new products to work with those 
we have our methodology, we have our way of doing some of that stuff and our own products, but we're trying some other things out too to see if we can work with some other different IT systems. To, right on. Yeah. And then what aren't you looking forward to in 2023? <laughs> what, do you, what are you worried about? What do you think is going to cause a, a market shift in a, in a not a good way? Yeah, I guess I, I do worry as, as a lot of our, if a lot of our clients budgets tighten, right. And they have to, they have to keep things in house, then that makes it harder for them to access folks like us. Mm -hmm. Um, Although we are very efficient. So (laughs) they get a lot of bang for their buck in small, you know, tiny assignments. But um, yeah, I do worry that that'll sort of, maybe some of our clients will feel like they can't, you know, afford to come to us. Um, So I think we'll be thinking of ways where we can help them that's affordable um, if they're being squeezed. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll be looking to put out some, maybe some products that they can access versus um, straight consulting help or a, a product with some consulting help so that we're still serving them, but maybe um, in a slightly different manner, which a little more do it yourself. Yep. Yeah. Teach them how to fish by baby steps. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's awesome. And I honestly believe that that is going to be the way that we have to work, right? As as a consulting arm, as a partner, um, because there's only so many dollars to go around. And the way that this next round of budget is coming through, there's not a lot of room, right? When you have inflation and the cost of living, everybody's feeling the pinch. You can't automatically say, I'm going to change my pricing by 10%. It just doesn't work. Um, So we have to teach people how to be a lot more efficient and scale and uh, win in this little period. And then uh, hopefully rates come down, people get back to work in droves and, and uh, you know, the country gets a little bit more stable. So I'm hoping. <laughs> good. That'll be good. Yeah. We got spoiled the last five years, I think. Uh, yeah. Not COVID wise, but I think with like rates being low and there's been some money and there's been a lot of people willing to deal at banks and do a lot of financing opportunities. I think people got a little too comfortable and now it's time for us to get to work collectively and, and, and go out and try to save some ships. So <laughs> very true. I really appreciate your time. Uh, look forward to getting together again soon. And um, I really appreciate you having you on and, and learning so much. Thank you. Glad to be here. You bet. We'll talk to you soon.